welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. This evening, we are going to see what God's Word tells us about honoring our parents. Do you know the fifth commandment tells us to honor your father and mother? We want to be obedient students of Scripture, and God expects us to honor our parents. And one of the ways we certainly do that is knowing that this command, honor your father or mother, also includes a promise. And we do it by, throughout our life, young adult and all the way to being a senior adult, we are showing respect. Honor means respect. This example we're going to see here in Genesis chapter 50 is how Joseph honored his elderly father, Jacob. Jacob is now passing away. He just passed away. He passed away in the land of Egypt, and he wanted to be buried with his fathers there in Israel. And God's plan, God's purpose was for Jacob, who was called Israel. God renamed him Israel, who had the 12 sons of Israel. The tribes of Israel came from Jacob. And what we're going to see here in the scriptures is how Joseph is honoring. Joseph is the 11th son, the first son of his favorite wife. One of Jacob's downfalls is he showed favoritism. His favorite wife was Rachel. And he had, of his 12 boys, two of them came from Rachel. That was Joseph and Benjamin. That was sons number 11 and 12. And God's plan and purpose with this passage is we see how Joseph honored his father and we also should honor our father and our mother. So I want us to be able to take a look here at God's word. I want to read this scripture here for us. So go ahead and pull out your Bibles, follow along. The takeaway you want to get from this passage is that we have to do self, self-respect, self-inflection and say, am I showing the respect to my mom and dad that I'm commanded to in the Bible? Remember Jesus' very first miracle. He's at a wedding in Cana. And his mother came up and says, Jesus, they're out of wine. What are we going to do? I mean, how embarrassing would it be to run out of wine at a wedding? A big wedding, maybe more folks showed up, and all of a sudden they run out of, they run out of wine. And Jesus' response, it says, Mom, my time has not yet come. I haven't revealed myself yet. There's no sign. Of, at this point, Jesus is 30 years old. There's no sign of Joseph. But then, after he made that statement, he told his mom, he said... Or his mother told the attendants, do whatever he says to do. Well, sure enough, Jesus says, these uh, containers here, go fill them up. There's a bunch of large jugs. Go fill them up with water. So they're thinking, why would we fill up the wine basins, these big large jars with water? Jesus then turned the water into wine. Jesus' first miracle was actually in honor of, of obeying the command here of honor your father and your mother. And he was honoring his mother because it was brought to his attention. I've used this example before. It would be just like us in our case. If you go visit your parents 
and your mother says, Dan, the trash is overflowing. Because you notice Mary did not tell Jesus, hey, we're out of, we're out of, you know, go, go turn the water and the wine. She just brought it to his attention. The trash is overflowing. We need dinner. We need to do something here. And I think the principle is we take the initiative. We recognize what our parents are trying to say and what they're implying. And you honor even on implication. And you see when your parents are in need of help, maybe they're getting elderly. Maybe they're, they're in times of need. And you're certain, certainly showing that respect. We want to honor our parents' wishes as well. If your parents make a request, even after they've passed away, even after they've gone to be with the Lord, you want to honor them. And that's what we see right here. Then Joseph, leaning over, says in verse, verse 1, His father's face wept and he kissed it. He commanded his servants who were physicians to embalm his father. So they embalmed Israel, that's Jacob. They took 40 days to complete this, for embalming takes that long. The only two people in the Bible who were embalmed were Jacob and Joseph. And what's important about this is in, 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 during Egypt, they mummified people. But here they're not mummifying them, they're embalming him. So they're, um, they're being embalmed. And it took them 40 days to do it. And the Egyptian mourned for him 70 days. So a long period of time, they're mourning of over, over the death of Jacob. When the days of mourning were over, Joseph said to Pharaoh's household, If I have found favor with you, please tell Pharaoh that my father made me take an oath, saying, I'm about to die. You must bury me there in the tomb that I made for myself. In the land of Canaan, now let me go and bury my father, then I will return. So Pharaoh said, go and bury your father in keeping with your oath. So there was an oath. So what that meant was obviously Jacob made Joseph, his son, promise an oath. Say, hey, if I die, or when I die, I want to be buried, not here in Egypt. Even though I've been in Egypt now 17 years, I want to be buried in the promised land with my father Isaac and my grandfather Abraham. And that's in the land of Canaan. But remember, they were there in Egypt because of the famine. They were in a, they were in a place that was, they, uh, was not their home. But that's where they are at. A lot of us are finding ourselves, maybe you're at a place, you're living somewhere that is not your home. You had to go to a different area or a certain area, but you're living there. It might be better for your situation right now, but it's still not your home. A lot of times, folks from the country, the family farm, the family estate, what happens is you maybe you grew up there, or you were raised there during the summer with grandma and grandpa, but now you are uh, living in the city because of maybe your job, for health, health reasons, you know, for uh, um, that's where your children live, but you still have that family farm that you certainly want to go back to. And from time to time, maybe on uh, Christmas, uh, uh, holidays, you're able to go there. That's similar to what we see. You're going to be buried in the land of Canaan. You're always wanting to go back home. That's the promised land that Jacob obviously wants to head back to. So his, he's made his son promise an oath that he will find himself back at that area. 
And it says here in verse 5, My father made me take an oath, saying, I'm about to die. You must bury me there in the tomb that I made for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go there and bury my father. Then I will return. So Pharaoh said, Go and bury your father in keeping with your oath. And I tell you, the reason why Pharaoh showed so much favor to Joseph is because, remember, Egypt is the, at this point the most powerful nation on earth because of Joseph's leadership. They saved up and uh, preserved for seven years of good days, for the seven years of bad days. Now during the seven years of difficult days, that made, obviously, Israel, that made uh, the e Egypt a prosperous place. It goes on to say, Then Joseph went to bury his father and all of Pharaoh's servants. The elders of his household and all the elders of the land of Egypt went with him. So an entourage even went along with him. Along with all of Joseph's family, his brothers and his father's family, only their dependents, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. Horses and chariots went up with them. It was a very impressive procession. When they reached the threshing floor at Adat, Atad, which is across the Jordan, they lamented and wept loudly. And Joseph mourned seven days for his father. Then the Canaanite inhabitants of the land saw the mourning of the threshing floor of Atad, and they said, this is a solemn mourning on the part of the Egyptians. Therefore, the place is named Abel Mizram, and it has crossed the Jordan. Let me explain what happened here. Joseph took his father all the way up to this probably most likely the area of when the um, Israelites crossed in, or back then the Hebrews, crossed in to the promised land. But you have to remember, at this point, why wouldn't the Canaanites attack them if they're just coming back? Remember, the Egyptian officials came. Egyptian chariots, Egyptian uh, processions there. So all of a sudden, the Canaanites... Now, the Canaanites... They might be able to beat the Hebrews, but they are no match for the Egyptians. The Egyptians are the most powerful nation on earth. So all of a sudden, by the Egyptians sending basically security with them, the Canaanites look and go, oh my, these people, this little family clan here, the Hebrews, they're accompanied with the Egyptians, so we need to show and pay our respects with them. Even though the Canaanites might be very questionable of what's going on, they certainly are going to back off and be cautious around the Egyptians. So the presence of the Egyptian entourage definitely helped um, the Hebrews and Joseph and the clan going in there. So what happens, they're crossing the Jordan River, just like that very first time that Joshua and the 12 tribes will soon one day cross right there. They're coming into the promised land. They're in that same vicinity that one day, hundreds of years later, 440 years, 450 years later, they will cross back in about the same area going into the promised land. But now they're going in there and they're going for a burial service. So the Canaanites see this and show great respect and they were so impressed with the Egyptian procession, they renamed this area called Abel Mizram. 
So Jacob's sons did to him what his dad had commanded them. They carted him to the land of Canaan and buried him at the cave of Machpelah. Cave of Machpelah. That there is where Abraham, that is where Sarah, that's also where Isaac, that's where Rebekah are all buried at this cave. It's right outside the area of Hebron. Today, it's an Islamic mosque. And we can't enter. You can't enter in it today. But that's where Abraham is buried. What's powerful about that, who's not buried there? Rachel isn't buried there. Now Leah is buried there. But Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, the mother of Benjamin, the mother of Joseph, they're not buried in this cave of the fathers. They're uh, the tree of Mambri outside Hebron. And this area is where um, Jacob's bones are buried. Even to today, you can go there and visit the, uh, the, the tomb of the fathers, as it's called. You say, well, where's Rachel? Rachel, when she was giving birth to Benjamin, her twelfth son, or I'm sorry, Jacob's twelfth son, her second son, she died in childbearing. Back in Bible times, roughly one out of 200 women would bleed to death during, at one out of 200 births, uh, you would die. So, um, unfortunately, Rachel died while giving birth to Benjamin. Luckily, Benjamin was born and he was saved, but his mother, he, she did not make it. She was born, buried and, and passed away right there in the vicinity of Bethlehem. So you can go there today and visit Rachel's tomb. That's where Rachel is buried. Jacob is not buried in Bethlehem. He's buried there in, um, outside Hebron in Machpelah, in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had purchased as burial property from Ephron the Hethite. After Joseph buried his father, he returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone with him to bury his father. Joseph honored his father's request. And I think the, uh, the principle for us is, are you honoring your parents? Even if you're a grown adult, when your parents ask of something, when they, you know, need help, are you showing your respect that obviously they need. And I think one of the, um, a lot of times when we think about honor your father or mother, we think in the context of a child, but in many ways, it's when parents are elderly. There's difficult decisions to make. Maybe your parents can't drive a car anymore. Maybe they've had several accidents and they're losing their eyesight. Maybe all of a sudden, they used to be very active and going all over the place, but physically, they just can't do it. They're in great danger of breaking a hip. That's one of the most dangerous things for a senior adult to, um, uh, to, to, to fall and break their hip. And I think what we as, we as children, you honoring your parents, you want to make sure that they are receiving great care, that they don't fall, that their needs are taken care of, and you do whatever it takes to honor them. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Because I think this is an important Bible verse. It's the fifth commandment. I want to read it for us. Because it's the only Bible verse with a promise. And the promise is to have a long life. Do you want to live a long time? 
Do you want to see the fruit of your labor? Do you want to see God use you all the days of your life? The scripture tells us that we're to honor our father and mother. There is such a culture of disrespect today. Have you ever maybe been out in public? You've been to the store and you've seen children, you've seen teenagers talk disrespectful to you. And it's going to happen. Part of growing up is learning to respect your mom and dad. Part of growing up is learning to uh, show respect. You know, even that respect extends to others. You know, I've shared this story before several years ago, but I remember as a young teenager, my mother had a, a close friend who lived down the street that she would regularly go out walking each night with after dinner. They would go uh, to our, our church, had a gymnasium, had a track around it, and they would go there and go for a walk. Well, one day, the, the neighbor down the street, her name was Emily, called our house, and I answered the phone, and I was somewhat disrespectful to her on the phone. 13, 14 years old. Sadly, that's what teenagers do. Uh, they have an attitude. They know everything. And um, this lady then called back, and my mom answered, and they went walking. My mother came back from that walk, and I was in trouble because she, the, the, her friend told her, she said, yeah, I had called earlier a few minutes before I spoke to you first time, and Daniel was disrespectful to me on the phone. Well, there were consequences for that, and that is important. We, as children, we as parents, you as a grandparent, you as a great-grandparent, you, when you tell your child, your grandchild, what to do, even if it's something very simple of eating their food, cleaning up, uh, taking care of something, you should expect them to obey what you're asking them to do. And the Bible tells us this. Look at this. Honor, verse 12, Exodus 20, 12, fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We are to honor our family, our parents. We are to honor God. We are, the Bible goes on to say, we are to honor the king. We are to pray for those who are over us. Do you pray for President Joe Biden? Are you praying for your pastor? Are you praying for your Sunday school teacher and your deacon? Are you praying for those that maybe uh, your teacher at school? This coming week, school starts here in Fayette County Schools. Starts tomorrow for kindergarten through second graders. You want to honor your teacher. Our life should be one of honoring others. And I think what's important for us is that we want to make sure that we aren't someone who has a disrespectful, arrogant attitude. Let me give you a, a, a biblical example. Remember Absalom? Absalom was David's son. Next in line for the king, for the kingdom, his oldest son. He was disrespectful to his father. He tried to usurp power and authority from his dad. He led a rebellion against his dad. You know, if you, have you ever heard of a family business where there's fighting inside the family and folks can't get along, how sad is it that families, they, they, there's a family feud. They cannot get along. They do not like each other. And it's usually over 
of power, money, authority. And it's just a culture of lack of respect. One of the great businesses that, um, that's always worth following is Chick-fil-A. We're right down the road here in Lexington. Our church is from a Chick-fil-A. And here Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. The reason why Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday is the story of Chick-fil-A is one that's remarkable. It was started in Hapeville, Georgia by a man named Trude Cathy. He passed away about, oh, seven, eight, nine years ago. And Trude Cathy actually didn't even open the business until it really became, um, I'll say, I think it was 47, and when it really started to take off. Well, he lived in a house, and he opened up a diner right next to his house. And it was a 24-hour diner. And it was open Monday through Saturday, every single day of the week. And he did that because he, him and his, I believe his brother, they, they lived right there. They were able to just go next door, and it was a worked cooked uh, chicken sandwiches and on a skillet. It was called the Dwarf House right there. And um, what's amazing about it is he passed it on to his son, Dan. And Dan Cathy was his son. Now, Dan's now in his 60s. Dan's now the CEO of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is one of the most profitable a business, uh, a fast food businesses. And what's amazing about it is they do more business than most uh, fast food places on six days a week than, than others do on seven. And one of, the, one of their business principles is what they, they teach their employees and their management. Everyone has to be able to do all the jobs. So even Dan learned running the cash register, cleaning up the dining room, just the basics of customer care going around saying, my pleasure, and serving the customer, creating great value for them. And, and now Dan is tr- training his children, and it's just they're, they're learning that in their culture. They've learned a servant, uh, an attitude of servanthood, of coming up through the business and learning how to serve others. Now, I share all this because it would be very easy, because true, Kathy, what he did is he started branching out his business model, started out that little dwarf house restaurant, but then he got into malls, and he started going all over malls in a metro of Atlanta, and then obviously then got into free-seeing stores that we see today. But it did not start out that way. Truett Cathy was not initially a wealthy man. He obviously passed away as a multimillionaire. It would have been easy for someone like Dan, who grew up in a very wealthy home, whose father had a great business to say, Dad, I'm not going to be a cashier. I'm not going to work a dining hall. I don't want to just work in one of your little dinky little stores. I'm going to work in the corporate office if you're going to give me a job. But Truett would not allow that. He, re- he required his son, and now his grandson, to come up through the ranks and literally rise up and learn so-called learn the ropes. Because he's learning to respect all the jobs. He's respecting his dad's request. And Chick-fil-A has created that culture of respect and putting the, the customer first. That's why anytime you say thank you, they always respond with my pleasure. They're literally ingrained in saying that. It's not a, it's not a business that teaches I'm in charge, I own this, 
you're lucky to be in my store. It's the exact opposite where the customer is the one who's the most important person. And they're there to serve you. And I share that because that is what honor is. So even in a business setting, even in a, even in a culture, whether it's your home, your office, or at church, we have an attitude of serving one another. Do you serve? Do you help your family? Do you help your parents? A lot of times we just think parents are there to help their children, but no. Children grow up, they should be honoring and respecting mom and dad. So, looking at this example of Joseph, Joseph is showing us how to honor our parents. And you make an oath. The Bible commands it. How sad is it? The Bible condemns in the New Testament disobedient children. A child who will not listen to his or her mom or dad is in danger of going to hell. It's a sin. It's wrong. Honor your father and mother comes even before do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. You can't have a home life. You can't have a society where you do not honor your parents. Elderly parents, grandparents, great-grandparents should be shown great respect. And I believe if that is your case at your home, you should do any, impos any possible way thing that's needed to do, whether that's build a ramp, whether that's bring in a special bed or bathtub to remodel the home so the doors open up with maybe a walker or a wheelchair, anything needed to show respect to your parents. Or maybe, maybe they can't stay by themselves and they need a care facility and you want to find the best one possible. You know, Sherry, before she moved here, or before we moved here, she worked at a place called CTCA, which is Cancer Treatment Centers of America. She loved it there. Phenomenal hospital for cancer care. It's a cancer-only hospital. And the reason why it started is because the man who began it 30, 40 years ago, outside of, 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 of uh, Chicago, he says mother had cancer back in the 80s, I believe, and she just was not treated very well. She was just a regular, uh, regular uh, person at the hospital, and she was dying, and it was tragic the way she was treated. And he wanted to start a hospital, and it was called your mother's gold standard of care. And the question in everything they do at CTCA is say, would you treat your mother this way? Would you want your mother to stay at a facility like this? Would you send your mom to this hospital and entrust her life with it? You love your mother. You want the best care possible for mama. Would you do it for her? Because he believed if you would do it for your mother, that's the gold standard. And where does that come from? It's honoring your father in your mother. So what do we see here? Joseph is honoring his father. This evening, I'm asking you, have you been disrespectful to your parents? Are you honoring your mom and dad? 
One of the ways, I think, a most practical way that we do not honor our parents is you don't speak to them. They never hear from you. You never write them and send them a card. You never send them a little note, an email, a text, thinking of you. You don't give them updates of what's going on. And it's easy for them, if they don't, you don't talk to them regularly, to think, I've just been forgotten about. Bible tells us, you want a long life, you should honor your parents. I want to pray for us. I want you to take these words of heart and see Joseph, his entire life, how God was with him. Even when his father died, Jacob, he honored his wish. It would have been easy just to have a quick funeral service right there in Egypt. But he made an oath to his dad. He says, Dad, I'll bring you back to outside Hebron, to where Isaac and Abraham are buried, and I will bury your bones there too. And he did that. They went up there, they had a memorial service, and that was the last time they were in Canaan for 400 years leading up to the Exodus. I want to pray for this. I want to pray that we also will have an obedient and honoring spirit with our, with our parents and grandparents. God, I thank you for your word. We thank you for the fifth commandment. It commands us, if we want a long life, the only Bible verse with a promise, that we are to honor our mother and our father. Jesus, I pray these words we will take and we will hold in our hearts. Lord, you honored Mary. You honored your earthly mother. And if you do that, we certainly do as well. Because if we're disrespectful to our parents, we will be disrespectful to our God. Jesus, I pray that we take these words and we seal them on our hearts. And the Lord, we just go about our days showing respect where respect is needed. God, I thank you for your word. And I just pray your spirit moves in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to hear from you. We have our online connection card. If you want to make a decision, if you're following here on Broadway Baptist Church online, connect with us. Send us a connection card. You can join our church email list. You can talk, uh, reach out to us about maybe becoming a member, receiving believers' baptism. God bless you. I will see you next Sunday night right here at 6 p.m. Eastern Time.